I mean, I think like but aside from veterans, the one of the most sympathetic things you could say about like the uses of psychedelics is like giving them to say cancer patients, mm-hmm. which is the same thing with weed too for pain relief. But this is more about confronting death, right? Yeah. And you know, right, it's, like it's facing hard. death, and it's like come, yeah. like I get well, it, but. I don't know. I, I'm sympathetic, but like uh, I, I at the same time, I'm not I, I really because don't you want to face death like clear eyed? Like, don't you want to face death like yeah, like not under the influence of any like you know psychoactive substance? Like, don't you want? Not if you're Aldous Huxley. On I get the day it. JFK if, uh, was murdered. Right. Okay. But I'm just saying, like in my opinion, yeah, I don't know. I find that to be strange. It's kind of like if a meteorite were like headed towards earth or something and like you had one last day with your loved ones would you like want to get fucked up like I, a lot of people would choose to get fucked I up know, but and it, that, not, I find not necessarily gross. out of uh, yeah yeah i mean but that's like a you know an, another opiate of the masses type thing like the sigh of the oppressed creature not wanting to you know numb themselves to the pain of uh the world about to fucking end and in fact um you know, speaking, I mentioned Aldous Huxley, you know, he is kind of the, the model for dying on a dose of LSD, which was given to him by Sidney Cohen, who was a UCLA psychologist who not only dosed Aldous Huxley, but dosed Bill Wilson of Alcoholics Anonymous and Claire Booth Luce, you know, very big time Washington, D.C. socialite. So um, and and kind of worked like worked in the same department and like in the same vicinity as Lewis Jolly and West, but like is not considered to be part of MK Ultra at all, but maybe we'll get into that later about how I don't think those lines are so clear between people that were doing like, you know, serious LSD research no. and people that were going wild like No, absolutely Leary. not. Yeah. In fact in that we watched like an amazing video. Like uh it's on YouTube as like MK Ultra reunion conversation or something. Like this was uploaded uh, by Jan Some Irvin. like noited person <laughs> uploaded it. No, but, it, Jan Irvin did. It's Logos Media. Oh uh, so. there's also like a, a version on Arrowid which doesn't have like the sort of like white text transcription with like certain parts in red that you can't read. Um, which is just I called the, like a conversation I love the on certain LSD, parts of, but the spin uh, of that, you know, yeah. Uh, Jan but Irvin was, really was SJ one, like beta SJ, like you know, just we're trying to work out the kinks here, and uh, you know, <laughs> kind of um, thing. But I, but I remember hear him talking about this video as like this is the smoking gun of like all the psychedelic sus lords basically. It's really admitting. an incredibly sus video. But what I was going to say is that it was interesting to me in that video that. Uh, Timothy Leary, like, I think it was uh, Osmond, the British guy, the, like, the British guy who kind of says, like, Richard Dawkins, like, uh, like, when we first met you, Timothy, we thought, we thought, isn't he a bit square? (laughs) And not even your worst enemies would say this of you, but it's the worst misapprehension, like, you know, so so I thought it was interesting Uh, that, like, originally, you know, when they met him, they thought that he was, like, too much of a square. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kruka back then, they yeah. met him on the night. I think they were in England, and he and Aldous Huxley met Tim Leary on the night of Kennedy's election in 1960. Yeah, um, and I think just maybe that same year, then uh, Leary and Huxley would be pictured together at the Macy's cybernetics conferences that a lot of these people were at as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, that that video, while like 
maybe I would like set it up a little bit different than um, Jan Irvin does in terms of like this is being because they're doing that Mary Prankster thing of like saying like our secret undercover agents in L.A. But then you could always be like they're just hippies that are it's like when the dead said like we're sending the men in black suits to like do rock and roll diplomacy and yeah. acting like they're spies, but they're really just joking. They're being ironic. Like, mm-hmm. but th- yeah. there's, it's still a lot of stuff comes to light in that one hour video at Oscar Janiger, at, sorry, right. at Oscar Janiger's Beverly Hills home. And it, it bears repeating that because n- people don't point it out enough that Oscar Janiger is Allen Ginsberg's first cousin. Mm-hmm. So and Allen Ginsberg Ginsberg's first cousin. came up in the video too. He did uh, multiple used, times, but uh, nobody ever says like, oh, your cousin, Allen. Like, it's so weird. Yeah, How true. That's they, supposed to be just a huge coincidence. <laughs> there was one part where they used like a very bizarre. For one, it struck me like I mean it was like recorded in 1979 or you know maybe in early 1980 or something. But no, it was 79. It was 79. All right, February yeah. 79. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. So they like constantly are talking about Iran and being yeah, like, well, you know, this Ayatollah. I'm just doing the Osmond voice because he had like the most insufferable like <laughs> uh, statements and like uh, inflection. But, you know, yeah, they, like Timothy Weir was constantly like, you know, talking about like how these guys like are on a bad like vibe, you know, and uh, uh, sometimes when you have a social cataclysm, uh, it shakes things up and, you know, you end up worse yep. than you were before, uh, just mm-hmm. like in Iran, but, um, or in Pakistan where they want to chop off people's hands, like, and, uh, yeah. yeah and like, yeah. um, like if only the, we could have a controlled the, cataclysm, cataclysm, that wouldn't be, I, too, yeah, I forget yeah. if it was Stolarov or, uh, or Osmond who, yeah, Osmond was saying this, like if one were able to have a sort of controlled cataclysm, yeah, exactly. that would could, shake like, things destroy- up enough. But shake, they, they can't all of them say shake things up that's like their favorite phrase to talk about this right. but they just felt like things needed to be shaken up a little bit yes. and and some people are like maybe we shook things up a little bit too much but uh, i don't know it was all good like yes. at the end of the day so i mean there's so many to have comments like an, in there. an interesting like th- there's a thematic like uh through line that was like their simmering hatred and like fear of muslims in particular maybe just because like they were you know iran was in the news and despite being so free-minded they were getting all like hyped up into fear but at one point, we're talking about Allen Ginsberg and Timothy Leary described him as like an incredible like Zionist for drugs. <laughs> like, he said right. he was an he said Allen Ginsberg was an indefatigable Zionist politician for drugs. Yes, exactly. I was like, all right. Like, yeah, you know, until you finish that sentence, it was like, yeah, like, what are you like? What? I, I think, you know, it's an interesting thing, too. As you go around the country, I'm sure you all have experienced you talk to uh, middle-aged, fairly respectable people in Tucson, Arizona, and they said, this is where the asset thing really happens. <laughs> Tucson. In San Francisco, this is where it really happened. Lower East Side, you know, they said, that's where it really happened. And uh, yeah. the, uh, no one has ever really uh, uh, told us what was going on in Los Angeles during those uh, years. I think much more was done down here. There was a much wider range. There were more doctors involved. There were more science involved. Yeah, Gerald and all those. Yes, sir. Right, yeah. And uh, Ivan uh, was, uh, and, and of course, was part coolness of the Los Angeles cell, whatever you call it, that they kept a, <coughs> you kept a... Uh, well, you might not call your cell, let's call it a cluster. <laughs> <laughs> Our undercover agents in Los Angeles were very cool about, uh, uh, and yet they did more in a very uh, laid-back way. 
Uh, it's never been as public, public as uh, some of the other, yeah. you, you know, the buses running around the country. Yeah, and then Zinberg like says that the visionary experience and all the things he was doing at Harvard and the others, his residents and the rest of his giving LSD to, they never had a visionary or ecstatic or mystic experience, but the whole thing was a California invention. He said, and he said, and the only right. time it ever happened right. was when you crossed the Colorado River. <laughs> you know, I read John Mock's book on um, yeah. the Manchurian, the search for the Manchurian yeah. candidate, in which he says that uh, the CIA turned us all on, you know. Well, uh, but it, uh, I'd like to get your opinion uh, of. What started it? Was it all the Huxley's dose of perception? Was it Tim Leary? What, got a, what made the mass uh, use of that, uh, psychedelics uh, come on, would you say? Well, notice we have to mention the name of Ken Kesey, and of course, Allen Ginsberg was a... Allen Ginsberg was an indefatigable Zionist politician for drugs, and they, uh, uh, so... But they, at the very beginning, what would you say? What turned you on, Ken? I don't remember. And Gordon was? Don't ever underestimate the effect of that wonderful, respectable uh, fire out mind. Yes. In Life magazine, there is a banker, Morgan Guarantee, Morgan Guarantee Trust banker, lying on the mud hut of a Mexican, uh, you know, saying wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> oh, boy. Talk about Joe Namath uh, commercial. <laughs> Sid, we ran close to a thousand people through. And these, each of these people were people that had considerable influence in their own right. And they were bringing the message out. Who turned on Cary Grant? So, uh, someone in the room. You know? <laughs> but I mean, Cary Grant. And then I, I saw him a few times. But we each of us had, and so this thing was just moving geometrically from people who had large audiences themselves. And the rate of the way inquiries were coming in was geometric after a while. And obviously, it, it, if that continued, these people who then couldn't get it from us anymore would be seeking to get it elsewhere. Yeah. And it was that kind of a proportion that was taking place. That was, and keeping in mind, because that was just uh, a, a relatively small ripple in the but it was it was carrying a lot of impetus with it, and and that might have been one of those things, and then those enclaves joining other enclaves and, and so on. Uh, but I think you're referring to the big explosion. Of the, the big explosion uh, yeah. was when it came yeah. out on the yeah. on the cover story on all the popular magazines, right. Life, Life, the Post, the whole yeah. business that was back. They were all. Well, Alice's book, The Doris of Perception, Head and Hell, was extremely important among intellectuals. Mm -hmm. yes. And Frank Barron was another person who was uh, very active in the psychology. Uh, of course it was Albert Hoffman who did it all anyway. Your question, I think, really is directed at, at uh, where did the young people get it? Because that's where the movement started that really spread it across the country. What do you think about Robert Duroff? That had a lot of effect where I was. In fact, I was very surprised when I saw he the second, handled, second, second county chapter. <laughs> But didn't that Drugs in the Mind have a lot of effect yeah. on campuses and stuff yeah. like that? It did. But it was more than just a book or two. It was something in the wind. And I, I really... The first major burst yeah. of publicity is out here uh, trying to, uh, to uh, focus on. Is that the... 
Well, there were steps all the way. Yeah. Huxley was yeah. one of the first. Uh, after we were fired from Harvard, that, that fall, every major magazine came out with a... Uh, yeah. It was a, a cover story in the Saturday Evening Post. Yeah, the that's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. There were three uh, different stories in Playboy. Uh, uh, so that was, yeah, it was the firing from a Harvard plus. The fact that Henry Luce was somewhere always uh, behind the scenes doing certain things. Uh, plus, so many people have been involved in, in uh, Los Angeles and so forth. But that was the first big one. Yeah, Tim was more responsible than anybody for yeah, that. Wasn't it the calculated goal of FF to cause that kind of spreading? Yeah. I, I remember coming coming to Cambridge one time when a little article in Time came out. Yeah. Remember? And I walked in there and he said, what do you think about the Time article? It was really devastatingly bad, really. I thought it was terrible, I said. Tim said, we thought it was great. You let, you, you let the, the kids know that uh, there's something here, they'll know it. Well, it doesn't make a difference whether it's bad, good, or indifferent. It's well, I want to point out, though, that the picture, who we all know who's here and now, study pictures more than they do uh, long columns. The particular picture in this article in Time Magazine attacking our research had a scientific instrument called the uh, experiential typewriter with all these devils actually filled with socks, but that's all right. <laughs> had an incredibly beautiful young woman sitting, taking the test, and had standing behind her Alan Watts, a beautiful female Hindu guru named Gaitri Devi, and myself. Now the, uh, the, the signal content of a picture like that was much more important than uh, the little words that were being written by uh, some clerk at Time Magazine in the medical department. For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad.